Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. So we have a really cool guest on Habits and Hustle today. We have Cash Warren. Cash Warren is uh, an entrepreneur, and he's also the husband to, you know, this little person you may have heard of, Jessica Alba. Hi. And, um, but you are no slouch myself, you know, yourself either. You've got some, some great credits behind you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me into your, I, onto this wonderful <laughs> treadmill. I know. Well, listen, I'm happy to have you. And I actually am surprised to hear that you're not like a big workout person. I, I, re- I thought you were going to be. I got to be honest. Jessica's much better at that than I am. I really uh, like my dad bod. I'm proud of my dad bod. <laughs> and, um, but I, I just started getting back into it, which I'm excited about. My energy levels are picking up. Good. Which is awesome. I started to feel a little bit lackadaisical and kind of lethargic. And so I was like, maybe the 18 months off wasn't the best thing for me. Well, so, why did you take the 18 months off? Laziness. Oh, okay. So well, there's... you have three kids, a company, uh, you know, married. Really? Like, life. Just life. life happens. And, and that became less of a priority. But now it's moved back up the charts. Well, that's really good. That's what happens, though, right? Like, so, like one day turns into 18 months. and Quickly. Next thing you know, right, you, yep. you know, you're kind of like huffing and puffing at one mile an hour, you know? <laughs> Not to say you are, of course, but what's your, what's your speed what right my now? my heart rate is. I moved it to 1.5 okay. to try to keep up. That's good. There's always these handlebars, too, if you if you need them. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving you some options, Thank that's you. all. Um, so let's talk about your career. So, you know, you're, you're impressive. You you went to Yale, right? Yeah. Right, and you were also in the music, uh, sorry, in the film business for I many would, years. Yes. So I, yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles. I went to uh, Crossroads High School in, in Santa Monica. Crossroads. And then I went to Yale back in New Haven, which was an amazing experience for me, but I couldn't really hack that weather. So as soon as I graduated, yep. I moved back home uh, to LA and, and have been at it ever since. I first graduated, I worked at William Morris which is a talent agency. So I started out as an assistant at a talent agency uh, well. in the mail room as a trainee and, um, and had a blast, but I knew being an agent wasn't really for me. Um, and well, how so, long were you an how long were you uh, an assistant at there? Or, I was or, I was at William Morris for about a year. Okay. Um, and I worked uh, without naming. I worked for a really powerful person there. No, tell us uh, who. I and mean, so a funny. So his name's Jim White. So he was the CEO and chairman of William Morris at the time. And I was his assistant, sitting inside of his office. And and a funny story. So every day around eleven o'clock. There's this apartment building on Charlieville right across the street from William Morris. And around 11, this guy would come outside with his hair all tasseled, coffee stains on his white T-shirt and his boxer shorts. And he would stand outside and smoke a cigarette like without a care in the world. And I would see the way Jim would look at this guy with like envy because he was like, look, like basically kind of thinking like how simple of a life is that? How wonderful is that? Oh, wow. And so my seat, I'm like, wait, everyone in this building <laughs> wants to be you, Jim, and you want to be that guy. I don't want to, I need to get off this hamster wheel. And so that's a really interesting, that's a good story <laughs> because it's true. People never really know what goes on behind closed doors. Right. And people gla- over glamorize or could over glamorize yes. Hollywood. Right. Yes. So that's a, I, I like that story. It was very helpful for me. And so I, I took off from there and I started working with this director, Tim Story, who was an up and coming director. He had just had a, a movie called Barbershop. Mm. And um, so he was a young kid from LA, young guy from LA. And I started working with him. 
him. And I was his assistant slash kind of director of development, helping find new projects. And, uh, and so that took me out of the office, out of William Morris, and I got to go on location and start making movies, which was a blast. Well, you know, it's in, like, first of all, working for Jim Wyatt, who is like a huge powerhouse, Tim Story, everyone knows who that is. Well, most people would mm-hmm. know. Like, how were you able to get those? Because for people who, you know, not working in Hollywood, those are coveted positions. Yeah. So how did you even get those opportunities? So I, I first got an interview at William Morris. Like, if you right. apply, you put in, send in your resume. When you're first graduating, you have no work experience. So they're really looking for where did you go to school and do you have any relationships, you know, right. with, with the agency which I didn't, but I got an interview probably because of the Yale thing. Right. Um, started out in the mailroom with about 50 other trainees. And there was one thing I did that for some reason allowed me to get promoted over everybody else pretty quickly to Jim's desk, which when you get, when you're in the mailroom, you just start delivering mail and delivering packages from one office to the next. And Jim's office asked me to go FedEx something for them. And so I took the package, went and FedExed it. And then all I did was Xerox the tracking code Mm -hmm. and bring that back to the office so they could track their package. And they flipped out. They were like, no one has done this. You're promoted. You got, and so in two days I got promoted to Jim Wyatt's desk. And uh, it was just the simple thing of following up, I guess. Wow. But also you went like, you went that extra little mile that maybe the other people like that, that shows something about your character, about your, you know, your work ethic. I think that makes, that would make sense. Yeah. And I think we look for that in all the young talent that that we're hiring and stuff is somebody that just does that little something that separates them from the pack. Uh, And then Tim's story was a client of the agency. Right. And so when I was, when I, knew I didn't want to be an agent. I wanted to leave. Um, I asked all the agents in the building, do you have any young clients that would uh, be nice for me to go partner up with and go work for? Um, and so I interviewed with a bunch of different people. And I, I, was, I was kind of fortunate that I got to meet Tim and at the right time and the right place, I guess. But he wasn't, was he as big at that point? No. No, right? No, he, he had was, that one movie, right? Yes. And so everyone was kind of like, wait, you're leaving Jim Wyatt's office to go work for this unproven wow. director. And I was like, yeah, he's awesome. And so um, he had only had Barbershop at the time. But then when I uh, jumped on board, we, that's Fantastic Four he directed, which is when I met Jessica. Oh. Um, and he's now gone on to do her. I think I read some stat the other day that he has more franchises to his credit than any other director in the history of Hollywood or something along the like Really? It's like him and Spielberg, I want to say. It's like crazy. He's that level? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. In so terms of said- just franchises, movies of his that have been turned into sequels or the, the third installment. And so he had Fantastic Four. He had Barbershop. He had... I don't know. I can't even. You can't even, re- no. can't even remember all no. them. And that's how you met your wife. That's how I met my wife in Vancouver. Yes. I'm Canadian, so that yeah. And where in Canada are you from? I'm from. Well, have you heard of Winnipeg? Yes. You have. <laughs> yes. Don't say. I love how you say. You know. Yes, of course. It's be, you're you're you'd be surprised. Most people. Winnipeg flyer. No. What are your what's your NHL? Team? Winnipeg Jets. Jets. Yes. Yes. The Jets. Yeah. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm from, and then I lived in Toronto for like most of my adult life okay. or like most of my like you know tweet well when i was 18 till okay you know, but or 17 sorry anyway the point is i'm canadian so vancouver i i, I get you yes so um have wow you spent much time there in vancouver yes um i have family there i've been there a okay. few times but there's a very different vibe like vancouver is kind of like uh the la yeah you know mm-hmm. of 
of Canada, and Toronto is very much like New York, New York. East Coast, yes. right? And um, I won't say I, I've been there, but I, I should say that Toronto, Montreal, like that side is much more like my thing. Yeah, well, okay. because my family's all there, yes. and like, yeah. I but I think I, th I think Vancouver is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Did you love it? I loved it. I, Everyone does. Being from LA, I guess it makes sense that I felt at home there. I loved Vancouver. It was uh, I lived there for about six months straight, and um, it was we just had we lucked out that it was June to December, oh, and so we got beautiful. summer, end of summer, fall, and then book didn't really have too much cold toward the end, but. Wow, cool. Vancouver's like, barely even cold. I mean, for you, <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I like grew up with like minus 40. Can you got imagine? No. You have to like, you've got to like um, plug in your car if you want to drive the next day. Can you imagine? Like to like, keep it heated? Or well, something? not, you can't like, it's like you would not like to keep it, it's not on, but if you don't plug it in, it won't start. Oh, because wow. it's that cold. Whoa! Yeah, it's like one of the coldest places in the world. In a car, but... You wouldn't. You wouldn't have to know living in LA. <laughs> I mean, it's like a whole different thing. In fact, actually, when I moved to LA, you know, over time, your your blood, whoops, your blood thins. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, your blood thins because you're you become like not used to that weather anymore. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah. Then why? What made you go to Yale from, from here? LA? Yeah. Um, I was really excited to try something. I didn't, none of my friends from high school were going there. Um, I was really excited to try something new, try something different, uh, meet new people, and kind of not reinvent myself, but in high school, I was a jock. I played sports. I was known as like an athlete, and nobody at 1. really. At one point five. Yeah. Oh man. If they can see you now. If they can see me now, it's on a fifteen incline. Though. Oh, exactly. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll say it is okay. Um, and. Nobody knew I got straight A's in high school. I just kind of booked, I just did my books, and but I played sports. And so I was excited to go to a school where I could kind of rebrand myself. Right. And, um, and I didn't play sports in college. And so I just, and so I, I don't know, I was just excited to try something different. How was it growing up here? I mean, what was your experience? Because I think, um, like your dad was an actor, mm -hmm. right? So you were, you were already surrounded by this type of, like the entertainment world, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I, I loved growing up here. I think LA is an incredibly diverse city and there's a lot to offer. You have a lot of nature, you have some city. Aside from the traffic, which has progressively gotten worse of a, oh, as God. I've gotten older. But um, I really, I, I, loved, I, I loved growing up here. I, my dad was an athlete first at UCLA. He played basketball right, I saw that. for um, like a legendary coach named John Wooden. And, oh, he um, played for John Wooden? Yeah. Yeah, he played for he Wooden. Is, He's my uh, my dad was Wooden's favorite uh, or he I have favorite player or he calls him the smartest player he ever coached or you see something. that's a yeah. huge compliment. They're very close. They and they growing up they still eat breakfast weekly. I would have breakfast with Coach Wooden and um, my dad and him were very very close uh, before he passed before Wooden passed. Wow. Um, and so then he was an actor, um, a television actor. Um, Hill Street Blues, right? Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Um, I did my homework. You Ash. sure did. I'm yeah. impressed. Nice yeah. work. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but I loved it here. I, you know, I thought there was just a, there was something for everyone, and there was enough to keep you know to, to still make sure you were well rounded. Hopefully, right, and, right. Um, and then my mom lives in France, and so she moved to France when I was six, six years old. So I split. I live with my dad here. Um, and then I would spend vacations in France. in France with her. 
Um, so like wow. five months a year I was over there. And so that gave me like a really cool perspective on America, like a little bit outsider looking you back. You lived for in, five months of the, year of the year in France. In France. My homework obviously was not that good because I did not know that. <laughs> yes. Growing, um, wow. Yeah. So from six years old till I was 13, I would spend that much time. And then 13 to 18 was you know, one month a year, maybe something like because wow. of school and sports started taking over my life. Is that but, why you stayed in the U.S. when you would they split? Like, because normally I, they would yeah. go with the, with the mom, right? Like, mm -hmm. it was weird. I was so young that I don't really remember how it all shook out. Like, right. my mom would ask me, "Do you want to live with me?" I would say yes. Then my dad would ask me, and I would say yes. And so fortunately, as adults, they were able to figure out right. some amicable solution. And you just kind of split your time. Yes. Wow, that makes you very worldly, though, and cultured. You know, looking back, going through it was really difficult, yeah. um, just not having both parents there. But um, looking back, it was, I credit it for kind of a lot of who I am today and like why I, um, yeah, I feel very fortunate for it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And wow. So then how did you kind of, go and, and ricochet from now you're with working with Tim Story, doing all these great movies, and then kind of move past all that entertainment stuff into being like a successful entrepreneur. Like what was the path like that? Um, so at, maybe I was like 25 years old, I'd been working with Tim for a couple of years, and a good friend of mine that I grew up with uh, named Baron Davis, who was an NBA mm -hmm. basketball player, and. Um, he reached out to me. He's like, I need, I need some help. I'm financing these movies, and I don't know where they are. And he just wanted some, some like a buddy of his to help him out, right. kind of uh, producing. And so I sat down with him and we chatted about what we would do together. And we kind of formulated this plan that we would love to, you know, tell stories that we were passionate about, things that we grew up kind of curious about, and that. Um, you know, there, there was a real opportunity for us to do something somewhat disruptive in the entertainment space. And so we partnered up. I left Tim. It was very sad, but I left wow. Tim. And uh, Baron and I partnered up and we started our production company. And um, we then started doing documentaries like Bloods and Crips, Made in America. Uh, the Christian Asoy documentary is a legendary skater. Um, we um the Bloods and Crip was, was that one like up for an emmy or yeah we, right? that one we got shortlisted for an academy award wow. um i think we uh we got nominated for a news and doc news and doc that's what um, i saw yeah. emmy and um and it was really well received we were in a bunch of film festivals with it we took it to like sundance and the la film festival and the coolest part about it, it uh, a, a company ended up securing the rights to it um, where they built curriculum around it and it's it's now in colleges about that because it's really the history of the Bloods and the Crips wow. and how the Bloods and Crips came to be and um, it's a it's kind of like the definitive piece on the history of the Bloods wow. and Crips in Los Angeles and so it's now being taught in curriculum in colleges and which is really exciting no I, I would I would check it out because I, I'm even very fascinated when you even when I moved to LA and it, I knew then what a huge thing that is right mm -hmm. like it's a it's the, the whole thing and i i'd like to i would like to know the, the history and the back end of how it all kind of like evolved yeah i mean simply you know black people um back then couldn't join the boy boy scouts there were there weren't these clubs and outlets for for young black kids boys mm -hmm. um because of racism and segregation and all these other right. things and so they formed their own clubs and that morphed into over time 
what we know as the Bloods and the Crips. But originally, it was because wow. there 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 was no other structural structured outlet right. for youth in the inner city in L.A. And so they had to they create they something. Were, create something that they thought was a reflection of what they were looking at, right. not knowing that it would morph into what it has today. Um, it was really fascinating. It was very eye-opening. Um, and it was specifically or particularly interesting for Baron and I because Baron grew up in South Central. I grew up in Westwood. And um, at a very young age, we kind of were made aware of kind of the difference, the the value that's placed on human life just based on where you're born mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and shit you have no control over. It's really just kind of the luck of the draw that right, put right. me and my family and him and his. And so we really wanted to, like those kind of, that intersection or that kind of, that that, that was really the driving force, like why we wanted to make that doc right. in particular. Um, and then... Um, I think it strikes a lot of cores, though, because I think a lot of people see that, right? It's A lot of it is like luck of the draw, like where you were born versus somewhere else changes the whole trajectory of your life path, Yes. right? And sometimes you don't get the opportunities. People are like, oh, yeah, it's not just hustle, hustle. Sometimes you're not even given those opportunities based on such, you know, arbitrary things that are not even in your mm-hmm. control, right? Absolutely. And yeah. it's like how fragile life is and how you're always forced to these like just like choose path a or choose Mm -hmm. path b and not knowing that that's the path that you're going to continue exactly so um it's so true like it's sliding doors you know like you just do this a little bit Uh and then it takes you on a whole new thing you know doors open new opportunities open i always talk about how life's a lot like just about momentum and so a lot of people get stuck in I don't have the thing that I'm passionate about or I don't know what I love and I don't know what I, you know, I'm meant to do. And my advice is always like, just take that first step because you never know what opportunities, like it will open new doors. It's just about, it's like inertia, just create some momentum. First of all, Cash, you know, it's very, it's like very serendipitous that you say that I'm doing a TED talk on Sunday. Okay. And my whole talk is about that. Oh, really? About momentum. Yep. The Mm -hmm. whole thing. And in fact, it's all about like people wait too long. You've got to just, it's all, life is all momentum. Yes. And that's how things kind of keep on going and piling, but you can't sit and ponder and deliberate because no. that's, there's no inertia in that. Yes. Yeah. And nothing's ever perfect. Nothing. So don't overthink it because it, if you do, it still won't be perfect. Ex- and so exactly. the only way is to just put it out there, be vulnerable, you know, but. And no, it's a hundred percent. Like that's exactly it. Like mm-hmm. there is no such thing as perfection. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the imperfection is what's perfect. Yeah, exactly. You know, and totally. so I'm, I'm a big that's believer. That's exciting. I Where know. Are you? That, is that Atlanta. A... It's in Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, we could talk about that later, nervous? but be, beyond. Like <laughs> I shouldn't even be on here right now. Like I cut the day short because okay. I have to practice. I'm, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's exciting. It's all about like spreading, you know, um, teaching people a certain thing. And it's a, it's a big platform and it's just, um, but I'm nervous. I can't lie. Yeah, yeah. I imagine so. I am. I'm not, I mean, it's exciting, but anyway, this is about you. This is about you. All right. Okay. So let's, let's continue. Mm. So then, okay. Now you have this, you did all these docs and yes. that's, and then how did it go from, from that to, well, we're at a, do you have a sock? And well, you have a sock and underwear company, yes. and you've had a lot of successes be- between that documentary and to the yes. sock company. So I guess the end of entertainment for me was I started to feel like I was on a hamster wheel, and that every but you had pro- success. That's what's interesting. I did. I did. I was lucky, but it still felt like I wasn't learning. I wasn't growing. Right. That every project that I was starting, it was like starting from scratch, and it was just 
I could spend six years on a documentary and when it comes out, nobody really cares about it. It was yeah. just like, uh, it was difficult for me. And so it just, like, I just wasn't that motivated to continue. I got, um, I started a YouTube channel called The Knock. I sold that to Vice and it became Vice Sports. Um, and, and that kind of gave me a moment where I was like, what else would I want to do? And I'd always been passionate about uh, products and building brands and wanting to build a brand. I'd never done it though. And so I figured like this was a good time to do it. And so I reached out to uh, another kid I went to Crossroads with, Alan Stewart. And I was like, hey, I'd, I want to start a sock brand. At that time, all men's dress socks were like really thin nylon like uh, yeah. shitty dress socks that like your shoe, you would like slip, slip in, in your, your shoes <laughs> all over. And so I found myself always wearing like Nike dry fit running socks underneath those nylon socks mm. and to make them more comfortable. And I was like, Alan, like, I don't understand why we just can't make a dress sock that's also really comfortable. And he was like, I agree. And so we, he's creative much like myself. And so we spent about a year coming up with brand names and brand creative and all this stuff that we would do with a brand. Right. But we didn't know how to make anything. We didn't know how to manufacture products. We didn't know how to make it. And he said, and Alan goes, I went to I went to UCLA with this kid, David Ehrenberg. Um, he's spent his whole career in manufacturing and sales. Uh, why don't we reach out to him and see if he can be of any help? And so uh, reached out to David and met with David and Sure enough, the three of us then partnered up, and within a couple months, David had said, "Here's we got to fly to this part in China. Let's go meet with these people. Let's go figure out a way." And so we had our products, and the, it felt like the train was moving a little bit. Well, um, what year was this that you're talking? Like that's... this is in 2013, like 2012, 2013. Okay, so that's like maybe six six or so years ago. Yes, yes, about seven years ago, seven. eight years ago. Um, yeah. 2012, so seven years ago. Um, and David's other business, he had he worked with Target already. He was manufacturing bike helmets and, mm. and sporting goods and wiffle balls for Target. And he said, I'm flying out to Minneapolis to meet with them about the other company. Should I try to meet the sock buyer? And this is an example of kind of like, I'd rather have like a mediocre idea with great timing than like a great idea with bad timing mm -hmm. because the buyer at Target gave him five minutes in the lobby. She was like in between meetings. He just had a deck. He showed her like the first two slides and she was like, this is so great. This is exactly what I've been mandated to find. Why don't I give you a test run in 270 stores in the spring of 2000, this is 2014. And we're, so David calls us 20 minutes later. He goes, I've never had this happen, but she just gave us a test run in 270 stores and we're like, Oh my gosh. So now That's a huge test run, which too. is a huge test yeah. run. Um, and so we, um, we did it. You know, the cool thing about pair of thieves, what one of the, uh, is that I, I was also really tired of raising capital. I was tired of being beholden to investors. Right. I was tired of board meetings for no reason. I was tired of kind of needing to project what this was going to turn into mm -hmm. before it actually did. And so I wanted to start a business that I could self fund that we could self fund mm -hmm. with, you know, very little capital up front. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, no harm, no foul. I haven't lost a bunch of money for Ugh. other people, which does not feel good. It feels terrible. And I, I, I hear that. A lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs say that, right? Like it's, it's exhausting, number one. And it's like, that's really one of those burnouts because you have the pressure constantly on like, basically like if you're gonna, if you're gonna lose somebody else's, you know, millions of dollars. Yes. But yeah. so you, you self, you guys all self-funded self -funded this. We each put in $2,600. That's it? And, yeah. 
and so we started with $2,600 and we made our first samples and we got our first order and we have, Based on what? So you guys put in 2600 each, you go yeah. and get your samples, yeah. you have this meeting with the target woman. Yeah. She, she gives us a she, test order because of good timing. Uh, the timing timing is very important. Mm -hmm. And now you have some momentum behind you, yes. right? And then you then you got to make a huge run. That's 270 stores. Yes. How many are you now with the volume on that? So that was a big first order um, for a company that was right. self-funded. And so what you have to do is get clever. You have to be clever. So we were able to cut... Um, you know, favorable terms with our manufacturer because when you have a company like Target's, like a purchase order from a company like that, yeah. you'll get you can get credit fairly easily okay. um, because it's they're they're not going under. And so um, we were able to cut favorable terms with our manufacturers and our suppliers. And then we were simply put, we were able to cut net thirty deals with our manufacturers and suppliers and net sixty deals with Target. And so, or net the other way around, yeah, net, net way, 30 yeah. with Target, net 60 with our manufacturers. And so that enables us to then take the money from Target to then just pay our manufacturers. Right. And so we didn't have to come out of pocket. How many pairs did they order? The first order wasn't too big um, because we only had 16 styles. We got end caps, 16 styles. I want to say the first order was maybe 70 grand or 100 grand or something like that. And so it was... It was relative. It was still pretty. But that's small. still a big, like seventy yes. grand, seventy thousand socks, or seventy thousand in in, re, in the mound is a uh, like a twenty thousand pairs of so socks. So the purchase order was like seventy. Yeah, okay, something like that. And then um, we launched in the spring of two thousand fourteen. Um, fortunately, it did really well. And so by the fall of two thousand fourteen, we expanded to all eighteen hundred stores. Wow. All 1,800 targets. And this is a time when we're running the business completely remote. We have no employees, no office, no overhead. No, David was living in Santiago, Chile. Alan was living in Portland, Oregon, and I was in Los Angeles. And so we would fly to Minneapolis, pretend we were this well-oiled machine. Like, let's give that to our head of development. Let's give that to our lead designer. And it was just the three right. of us doing everything. So how were you selling all these socks? And what was the marketing behind it? Like, what? How did you get the word out? All social. So was, okay. we didn't have marketing budgets. We didn't have right. anything. Did you oh, just go up a level? I did. Sorry. <laughs> do you want to match you, me here? Yeah. Okay, good. What no, do you want now? I'm at point one. You're uh, incline. Oh, that's the no, incline. no, no. Go to the speed. You got it. I'm at like a two incline or a one six. All right, I'm at one eight. At what incline? I've burned points. I've uh, no, no, I've gone 0.78 of a mile. Seven eighth of a mile. How do you say? Me that? too. 0.79. But then your speed nine. is at yeah. what? One six or one? One eight. Okay. <laughs> what are you? Now, uh, okay, right. I'm, I'm at one eight ish. Okay. Um, okay. So yes. now you just now I was gonna say what was I saying? You oh yeah. So your market is all social media. You all said. All social. So what did you did so you we, post and yep. I guess did Jessica post yep. a lot and your two friends did you get a lot of your like friends who have a lot of big followings yes. to post? Yes. And that and we, kind of and we started gifting product out to various influencers and the whole hoping thing. they would post just the whole thing that everyone does and um, yeah. So you think it's so what do you so what are your thoughts on that? Like how could companies literally like you've seen it yourself, right? Like you can actually like legitimately carry a business based on the marketing of the power of social media. Uh, you know, I think that we benefited a lot from, um, and we continue to, uh, um, the the foot traffic in a Target store, right? Brick and mortar is, is the is 
traffic that we don't have to pay for is there are you know it, people that we're not we're not pushing that traffic right. into Target, and so the amount of eyeballs that go onto your product inside of a store like that are are substantial. Is there and, advertising budgets you have to put in place on the on not social media but like in mainstream? Uh, advertising, it's like TV to, and stuff. Yeah, for, for like to, for Target to make a deal with you guys, or who puts the money in to, I guess, promote the products in there, right? Because these big stores are such giants that they can also like they can crush you if you don't sell product, right? Because they yes. can, they can return it. Yes. Right. Yes. So how are they like? How we do got you, lucky. You, pure, it's, pure, it's, like there's no, there's no way. There's no like, way, no, no way around way. it. No, we got totally lucky that our sell-throughs were really clicked good. and they worked really well. And so um, we weren't, you know, we didn't have to handle discounts and buybacks and margin guarantees and all the stuff that can bite you in the ass at the end yeah. of the day. Um, we got we got fortunate that our sell-throughs were super strong and we were really going after white space on their floor pad, mm-hmm. meaning. We identify there. There were no other brand selling product like ours in their stores, and so we and their customers wanted it. Right. So the and, competition was lim- like very limited in that yes, space. Yes. And yes. the and also it's a very nice product. I mean, thank you. You, you, you know, it, and they're soft. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. So the mobile app game Best Fiends has got me hook, line, and sinker. It has become my favorite go-to thing to do when I have a few minutes to spare, or of course, just like waiting at the doctor's office. Instead of just scrolling social media mindlessly, now I have something to activate and stimulate my brain. It's super visual, great bright colors, and they have these cute little characters. And I'm telling you, I'm on level 122 already. And now I got my husband obsessed. My friends are obsessed. We all play. And it's, it's good. It's good for, you know, healthy, good competition. Never hurt anybody. You don't even need the internet to play the game. So it's great for traveling. So I play it when I'm traveling on a plane, a subway. It's just awesome. And I'm collecting tons of these characters. And they're constantly updating the game. So it never gets boring. So if you want to engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters, trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Trust me. You're going to love it as much as I do. And now to our next sponsor. Did you know 24 million Americans, that's more than the population of Florida, want to work for themselves by the year 2021? But sadly, 35% of them cite inconsistent income as one of the biggest things holding them back. If money is a big deterrent, would getting paid twice as fast help you make that leap? Have you heard of FreshBooks? It's a cloud accounting software that basically does your invoicing for you. And on top of that, gets you paid twice as fast. And yes, it's really easy to use because it's made for entrepreneurs just like you. FreshBooks lets you create and send invoices automatically, accept credit cards and ACH payments right on invoices. It automates payments for reoccurring invoices and it automates invoice payment reminders. So overall, FreshBooks helps you face big challenges like getting paid so you can focus on actually growing your business. 
And right now, I'm giving my listeners a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks right now. No credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash habits and enter habits and hustle in the how did you hear about us section, and you can start your free trial today. So we sit at an elevated price point inside of their stores. They look at us as kind of the premium offering. And okay. so um, we care a lot about the quality. It, yeah. It's still affordable, but we care a lot about the quality and we care a lot about the design. We weren't going after kind of novelty, mm-hmm. you know, putting you know, cat kittens on or like mustaches on this or unicorns. We were looking at fashion and we were trying to create designer socks and um, it resonated with that audience. And so in a short amount of time, we've gone from making, you know, 16 socks per season to hundreds. You know, our, our presence now is pretty substantial. We have 12 feet in all 1,800 stores, right, uh, wow. 12, you know, 12 feet of, of shelf space, um, we, and we um, continue to, to grow, which is it's amazing. knock on wood. It's knock been on, awesome. So, yeah. say knock on wood. So you're not just in Target, though. You're in a bunch of stores. Yes. So, so. We, um, so the, the goal was always to, um, after you know, getting, getting off the ground with Target, we wanted to elevate the brand mm-hmm. and create more value for that customer, uh, but also elevate the brand. And so using our website, pairofthieves.com and then starting to work with like Urban Outfitters and mm-hmm. Anthropology and um, uh, PacSun and Opening Ceremony was one of our second, it was the second retailer, which was, uh, we only did one program with them, but it was, they're like a really influential boutique in fashion oh. space. And so um, Opening Ceremony let us go into their stores, which was awesome. Selfridges in the UK, mm. we've been working with for four or five years. We have about 30 different retailers that we work with with Pair of Thieves. Wow. Um, Nordstrom's was always kind of like our holy grail. Right. That was always like, we want to figure out a way to get into Nordstrom's. If we can get into Nordstrom's, that would be so awesome. Um, a lot of and, brands say that. You know, they have great customer great relations customer. and they have a really clean aesthetic and they just get they just get it. And so yeah. working with them is kind of a stamp of approval right. in a way. It's like and Whole Foods for food, I guess, right? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we got, and which is exciting, we just launched this month, uh, Thieves Gold. Uh, with Nordstrom, so it just went into stores like in Century City and the Grove and everything, which is, thank you so much. Um, They told us no for like two years and we just, we always were like, I think we heard a soft yes. <laughs> and so we stayed at it, stayed at it, and we were, it, it, it finally paid off. That's one thing about starting a business. You have to have thick skin because yeah. you hear no yeah. more than, even though the, the luck of how we started Pair of Thieves, we've heard no more than we've heard yes along the way. Yeah. But you just got to roll with it. And if you're really... If you're, if you're steadfast and if you're determined to make something happen, you can find a way to make it happen. Right. You just have to get creative. A good example is our blackout whiteout, actually. So that's a multi-pack of white socks, multi-pack of black socks that we sell. Um, These, oh, yeah, I don't have them over here, but those are nice. They're great. And so it's uh, just multi-packs of white and black socks. We first pitched that program to Target. They said, no, you're a fashion brand. Right. We, we don't need more white socks. They have a ton of them. Right. And we knew that that's where all like that, that most of the sales are in solids. Most yeah. of the sales are in, in basics. These are everyday kind of everyday yeah. things. And so we looked at the landscape and we were like, we have to make it cool mm-hmm. and we have to figure out a way. So instead of just 
we call it blackout whiteout. We attach to give back components. So for every pack we sell, we donate three pairs of mm. socks to the homeless, like Bombas. We love what they're doing. Yeah. We're champions of the, yeah. the give back movement. And so that's a big one right now. I feel like a lot of brands are doing that. It's yeah. necessary. It is necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done a lot of charity and, and nonprofit and fundraising for that is a nightmare. You're always raising money to support your cause. If you can create for-profit business models oh. that also help, that is the only way to build sustainability. Oh my gosh. I you know, again, I, I started a breast cancer charity called Babes for Boobs and it's the bane of my existence. I hate to say it mm -hmm. because I start, it's a, it's a very, it's hard to raise money and to get people to do that stuff. So when you, this is exactly, Very maybe you can make a sock that gives us, you know, that, <laughs> that donates to breast cancer. What? I like it. Babes you, for boobs? Yeah, babes for boobs. Nice. And I auction off eligible men and all the money we raise. Me and my best friend started it just for fun um, and to give back. And all the money we raise, we give to breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. What is auctioning off eligible men? So like if you weren't married to Jessica, mm -hmm. I would be like haranguing you to be part of my auction because you're perfect for it. Like we look for people who are, eligible, successful, attractive, nice, smart, all that. And then we auction them off for dinner dates, but it's more for fun. Like no one's okay. ever expecting you to like, you know, whatever. And most people don't even go on the dates to be honest. Okay. And, um, and we get like $10,000 a date, 5,000, depending wow. on who it is. And then all that money we just give away to breast cancer. Got it. Yeah. Nice. And, we, and we do an event every year and this one's coming up December 5th. Got it. So. Well, if they don't actually do anything, why do they have to be eligible? Well, they don't really, but okay. that's a whole other story. Okay. <laughs> you know, like if you, you know, like they, if they don't, I shouldn't say some of them go out, but no one's expecting marriage proposals. It's I more understand. for like, it's more to have like fun. It's more for like a different spin than just going for a run walk. Yeah. You know, yep. and that was why I did it. But so, for yeah. For a good cause. It's for a good cause. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, but what we were saying about now, back to your pair of thieves. Pair of thieves. So, yes. uh, Nordstrom's. Like, how many Nordstrom's? Like how many? Nordstrom's they, how many went in there? Like how many stores did they take? Um, I, we're launching it with thirty stores, so we're just doing okay. a test with them. So it's really important that we do well. Yeah. Um, oh, so gotcha. we're just in thirty stores to start, um, but they're. They've been amazing partners thus far. We're doing some really cool stuff with them and their sales teams, their floor salesmen um, and women. And um, we'll see. Like, they're, because we're only in 30 stores and because it's a small test, there's not a whole lot we can do on our end to help. Right. But we're doing our best. And fortunately, the team has grown considerably since it's just the three of us right. when we started here. And so, How many um, employees do you have now? Now we have 35 employees okay, or wow. 40 employees um, with maybe 10 more getting on board in the next six months or so. And so what do you look at? Like, what's your strengths here? Like, because obviously, like what I've seen, um, you've had like a lot of successes. This is not just like you, we all talk about luck. But you're also not a one-hit wonder, right? You had success by even with that little piece of Xerox paper, you know, photocopying that or the page with uh, Jim Wyatt. And then Tim, you had success there. Then you had your documentaries. You had the Vice Sports. I mean, like, there is, like, there's a through line. Mm -hmm. and, and the through line is you, right? I appreciate that. No, well, it's the truth. So what, what are those things about you besides, like, attention to detail with that photocopy thing that you think makes you like makes you a success? Um, I don't know. I will say that, you know, and 
everything that I do, I look for teammates. I look to surround mm -hmm. myself with people with skill sets that complement mine. I'm really honest about what I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm more humble or, and I'm more, and I'm honest about what I am good at. And, and so I make sure that I'm part, you know, I've had bad partnerships where we both do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if you're both doing the same thing, you both want this, you know, you're, yeah. I recognize that I'm, that I'm not the complete pie there. And so I needed business partners that brought different skill sets to the table. And I think in my successful partnerships, mm -hmm. those are the relationships that I've had. Um, complementary skill sets. So. Yeah, no, I think that's a big one. I think when you have two people doing the same thing or same strengths, there's an imbalance. And a lot of times it works out where, because we're, we become friends and we're mm -hmm. friends because we like doing this or that we have similar mm -hmm. personalities and we like doing the same thing. And, you know, talking turns into an idea that turns into a company and you look up and you're like, shit, like we're missing somebody that understands operations right. we're missing someone who understands finances we're missing someone who understands marketing whatever it is right and and so what i've tried to do is get ahead of that a bit and kind of identify my weaknesses and look for people that have those strengths so what are your strengths then and what are your weaknesses so my strengths are like vision mm -hmm. um ideas um creative content to marketing mm -hmm. And then sales mm -hmm. would be kind of, and then company culture and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But externally, uh, those are them. And so with um, David, who's one of my partners, we overlap on sales, mm -hmm. but he handles operations and finance. And then we overlap on business, like biz dev. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Alan is good on, is decent at finance. So him and David overlap a little bit on finance. And then Alan is real, uh, he's a designer. And so he's, um, great at designing and, and website and he understands coding. Wow, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. he understands the whole D to C world and, and and marketing. He comes from an agency background. Oh. And so Alan and I overlap a tiny bit on creative and marketing. Mm. But there's so between the three of us we cover kind of all of the basic things that you would need right. in order to start us uh, an apparel company. Right. And then but besides the apparel company with Vice Sports and what was what were you doing? So in that? there, yeah. I partnered up with uh, two amazing guys who are dear friends of mine, uh, John Hirsch and Ron Yassen. Um, they produced the ESPYS, mm -hmm. and they um, have made some beautiful films along the way. They've, they've created a lot of stuff, and so Ron is a great director, super creative. Him and I could overlap on the creative, right. but he was more the director. I was a packaging producer, meaning mm -hmm. yeah. I could take an idea and then bring in the talent that we need to go make it happen, but I wasn't a line producer. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a physical producer, which is what Hirsch, John Hirsch right. could do. He was the one who knew how to manage the, the budget. He knew all the vendor relationships. Right. He knew all of the union stuff. Like He could handle a lot of the back office support as well as uh, the on-the-ground production. And so the three of us together were able to then create uh, a network yeah, that network. we sold device. Yeah. But it sounds to me that you're really good at picking really strong teams to put them together well, right? Yes. Like you have like an eye for that. Like, okay, you know you're good at this and that you're getting a really strong team to be able to execute really well. Yes. Yeah. And I also don't overcomplicate it. Like yeah. I, I try to keep things simple and I try to win. 
even in making socks, it's amazing how complicated things can get. Yep. And so you always have to take a step back and remind yourself like, all right, what was our objective again? And kind of don't get too, I, I try not to get caught too much in the weeds mm -hmm. because my, I work better when I'm a little bit clearer minded. Yeah, no, someone said to me one time, who's another guest came on and he said that his whole thing is like the 5% rule. He focuses solely on the 5%. He knows what he's good at and he spends, you know, that's basically the 5% that he spends his time on and he delegates everything else. Yes. And the truth is that's how, you know, you can be really successful that way because you can get really, and I do this too, get caught up in the weeds very easily. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, like days, weeks, months go by and you see no progress, pro none, right? Yes. It's very easy to do that. So it drives me nuts. Drive, me too, right? <laughs> so it's really important to know where you're good at and yes. like stay in your lane in mm -hmm. a way, you know? And I've always pushed my, like I, I don't like feeling like I'm treading water. I right. never like feeling like I'm running in right. place. And so when, like I, now? when I, yeah, except on a treadmill. <laughs> um, but, and I'm sweating, by I, the way. No, you're not I, actually. I don't you're, look like you're just glistening. Oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so when I, when, whenever I've hit those lulls or I feel like I look up in six months and I feel like I'm in the same exact spot that I was in mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. kind of, um, I, I try to find a way to shake it up. Like I right. try to find something that will help propel me forward right. back to the momentum. Yeah. You know? it's, all, it's all about momentum. Yeah. And yes. I, yes. I feel you on that. So even with like honest, when it was starting, you were kind of involved at the beginning, right? Yeah. When Jessica was pregnant with our first child, this is, um, our honors 11 now. So this is 12, over 12 years ago. Wow. Um, How many years have you been married? We've been married 12 years. So we got married right before honor was born. We've wow. been together 15 years. Um, wow. And so you're a kid. You're not kids, but you were young. Very we were young. young. Yeah. We were super. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Look at your wedding photos. I by know. Way. Congrats. <laughs> um, I know. Oh, and she was pregnant and I knew nothing about chemicals and products. I didn't know about right. much about what she but she, in bed. She was always talking to me about, you know, the the world that she wants to create for our daughter and in our house and and that she's having such a hard time finding cleaning products and diapers and she was really buying stuff from europe and all these different right. brands to kind of make it and she was like there's a need here to do the same thing i didn't understand it but i knew she was passionate about it and so we would talk and kept talking and um, eventually it just was like, well, let's put together a plan, a business plan that kind of articulates what we're just talking about in bed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I helped her work on that. And then similar to the way I approach business is what I, con I was conveyed to her, which was you need a partner. You need someone who knows how to do this, that can help you kind of execute your vision. Um, and a, a dear friend of ours, a guy named Brian Lee, who was an really yeah, well, um, successful. Bedazzled was his too, wasn't it? Or uh, shoe, shoe, dazzle shoe Dazzle and Legal Zoom. Uh, he's, like a, he's like a monster, that he's guy. He's amazing. Yeah, and amazing. So, um, he was, um, I was friendly with him. We would get together and brainstorm and kick yeah. ideas around. And so I was like, we need to bring this to Brian and see if he would jump on board. I rented an office next door to Shoe Dazzle so he could, on you his did? breaks, walk down to my office and hang out. And slowly but surely, we were able to convince him to jump on board and, and partner up with us um, and, and go do it. And so That's amazing. Um, they first started working out of my office. And I'll never forget that... Um, so I had this like beautiful office, like big, and I had no need for like the downstairs. So I just put ping pong tables down there. It was like this 
Next thing you know, Honest has moved in. I go away for like a week for something and I come back. Jessica's moved into my office. Brian's moved into my, like my desk was gone. I got kicked out of my own <laughs> office in like three months. That sounds familiar. Because they scaled uh, yeah. very quickly. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, super proud. Honest is such... And it was interesting, like right around the time that we were launching that or she was launching that, um, like we, I started reading all these announcements in the paper, like uh, uh, I think it was like Coke agrees to uh, take formaldehyde out of Powerade mm-hmm. or um, and so you're starting to see all of these consumer products and brands, uh, the companies removing these really harsh chemicals out of and you're like, I didn't even know formaldehyde was in Powerade. I like, know, isn't that crazy? And so um, I think the world was kind of waking up at the same time. And so Honest uh, was really fortunate to kind of went back to timing. Timing, yeah, I was going to say. To be able to ride that wave of, you know. It's amazing, though, timing. But your luck and timing, but mm-hmm. you sound like you're very, I mean, you should have, an, this is a whole other business for you. I think you should start a consulting firm okay. where you just connect people who you think are like good matches to like build businesses okay. because you're very good at it. That, I I'm telling you, you, you seem to, you seem to have like home runs all the time. <laughs> I knock on, no, I want uh, better thieves to be I know, run. no, 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 but I'm saying like, well, listen, I don't know what, yes. how you guys are doing financially, mm-hmm. but I'm saying you at least are, you're at a, you're, you're, you're everywhere. You're all over Nordstrom's and Target and 30 yeah. other stores. Yeah. And um, it's a really healthy business. It's a really healthy, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think it just happens by accident. I think that there is something to say about like the, you know, the people behind it putting like certain, you know, things, effort into it. Um, so what are your habits every day? Like, what do you do every day besides not work out? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> yeah, now but, this, I, I'm like really enjoying this treadmill. Um, this is, by the way, a Woodway. It's amazing. Okay. I would recommend you. Is it the one that you don't need? Um, no, this is the one that you, you this was the actual, it's called the Forefront. So okay. this one, it does both. So it's a, it's, it's actually a treadmill that you can just walk on properly like this. But the shock absorption by the slides is very different than any other treadmill. Oh. And then you can also, there's a mode here where you can just like, you know, basically like do a lot of resistance. I feel like a commercial. Like the parachute, like resistance? Kind of like where you can, if you want to put it on like dynamic braking mode here, you would, you would basically use your own body weight with, for resistance to like push yourself off. Got it. Yeah. That's what she was talking about. Yeah. This is, this is, this is like a crazy machine. Well, look recommend. at that. Yeah. I hope they gave it to you. Yeah. Well, they definitely, I didn't pay for this one, thankfully, but That's I did pay for sweet. another one in my gym. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, this is like my favorite treadmill. Um, like the whole, these, this whole brand. So I keep on getting sidetracked. With, no, it's all right. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So wait, you don't work out, but you My start. other rituals. Um, um, uh, so with the kids, so we have three kids. We have an 11 year old daughter named Honor. Uh, we have an eight-year-old daughter named Haven, and then a one-and-a-half-year-old named Hayes. These are great names. Who's thinking of these names? Not us. Really? So, Who's no, thinking of was, these names? Um, when she was pregnant with uh, our first child, um, Jessica's manager at the time uh, had two boys, and him and his wife we were really good friends with, and they said, if we were having any more kids, you know, a name that we always loved for a girl was Honor. And we were like, oh, my gosh, we love that That's name. A nice name yeah. And so we named our first child Honor. And then when Jessica was pregnant with our second child, a girl who worked with me that I, um, 
I grew up with, she came in the office one day and she goes, my sister just gave me the name for your second kid. And I was like, really, what is it? They said, she said, Haven. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love Haven. That's like the- a great name too. And Yale's in New Haven. There was like so many connections to it and I just loved the name. Um, And so when uh, Jessica was pregnant with a third, we had these two H names. We were like, damn, that, like we didn't do that intentionally. Right. But now like we have a third. So we asked our girls, like, should we name the little boy with an H name or can we come up with something different? And they said, he'll feel left out if he doesn't have an H name. So we tried our hardest to find something <laughs> that we were happy with. We actually named him something different on the birth certificate at first. like. Hawking or something, <laughs> and I was like, I really don't like that name, and so I had to like chase down the nurse in the hospital. Oh my, like, really? Yeah, can we change the name, please? Really? Yeah, That's I wasn't funny. sure. I'd never changed the name on a birth certificate. Were they able to do that? Yeah, they oh. did it because we hadn't left the hospital. Oh, yet. okay. So if you would have walked out, they wouldn't have been able to. I don't know. I don't know. But it was like nerve-wracking. I was like, I hope I didn't just <laughs> name him Hawking. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Not a good name. What are you going to name your fourth child? Oh, man. You tell me. I have no clue. Oh, my God. Never having a fourth. Okay. So. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, every time I turn around, you guys are having another baby. I don't know. No more. No more? I don't think so. I think we're done. I mean, I, I love kids. The pregnancy, she it's hard to be pregnant. <laughs> I can't Telling even, me. like, I, I, I couldn't imagine it's, it. It's also when you're work, like, it's hard to be pregnant for sure. Then you pile on being a working mom mm-hmm. and then all the other things. Which I can't imagine how, well, and she seems to have it all together, Jessica. She seems like she's like doing well at work. She's doing well as a mom. She has all the other things, the ancillary things. I mean, she's a, she looks like she's doing just fine. Yeah. But I it takes still a village. Of she's, yeah. And I don't, she's not a huge fan of being pregnant for 10 oh, months. God, and, I'm not. A, it's oh, awful. Yeah, By it's the way, tough. it's awful. It's tough. I don't know how people say, I love pregnancy. I, <laughs> I Honestly, I don't get it, but. You know, know, exactly more power to them. So, okay, your habits: no exercise. What do you eat? I I eat pretty healthy. Um, Do you have a diet that you're following? I do love so breakfast with my kids. Okay. So I'm big breakfast guy. So start in the beginning. Wake up around uh, six. Between six thirty and seven. Okay. So like yeah, six thirty probably. Breakfast with the kids for school mm-hmm. um, and then on the weekends I cook like we do breakfast as well I love cooking breakfast for them that's like our our quiet time and and we have a blast so breakfast is a ritual um, watching sports on my couch is a ritual <laughs> that I love good. and I won't give up good that's, um, a, that's a good habit and it's also an honest habit and any guy who says they don't do that I don't believe them. No, I, I need it. I, I like quiet. I like me time and some quiet time. Um, so uh, that reading, I love to read. I got into fiction like not too long ago. I always read nonfiction my whole life. I was going to say, what and book then, are you reading right now? What's your favorite book of recent times? It's an old book, but I, because I just discovered fiction more. It's so The Glass Castle and, oh, an the, light, yeah, and yeah. Then, like, the Light Between Two Oceans I loved. Um, all this fiction. All this, yeah, yeah, I started reading fiction, which I, I was I'm, I'm totally okay with. I, I got into it. Podcasts I've started to get into in the last year as well, but I wouldn't say that's a habit. Well, it um, is. That's a habit. Okay. I mean, are you like how often are you listening to podcasts? And now that this is your favorite podcast, I would absolutely. Hope. <laughs> I, on my drive into work. Okay. On my drive home. That's when and you then listen to, to put podcasts. Me to, uh, to go to sleep at night. 
I like to listen to podcasts. Oh, which ones are you like, listening uh, to? That I like to listen to like murder stuff, like That's true crime. So, yeah, and so stuff popular like right that, now. Like puts me to sleep. So That's a true crime Jessica, puts you to sleep. Yeah, Jessica's always like, why do you like listening to murder to go to bed? I was like, I don't know. It just makes me so happy that I'm, it's like not me. It's not you. I'm going to say. I'm so happy. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. But by the way, also the voices on those podcasts are so like melancholy. Yes. Like it can put you to sleep. <laughs> That's great. what I found. Great. I was listening to one of them. I was getting my eyelashes done and I'm like 10 minutes, like five minutes I was out because the boy, then the guy yeah, stabbed yeah. her chest 47 times. And it's like, I'm like, it's like a lullaby, <laughs> right? It really is. It's like a lullaby really how they is. have those voices. It sounds like they're just like taking a walk in the park as they're like brutally getting raped and murdered. It's so crazy. Um, and so that's her habit. Sweating. Okay, yes. what's another, what's another one? Um, uh, showers. I love showers. So I take a shower in the morning, a shower at night, two showers a day. Two showers. Um, You're clean. I'm very clean. Do you, do, do you use Honest products? Yeah. You do? Definitely. Okay. Yes. I, well, I, I mean, I would assume you would. Yes, I okay. do. I, um, I like all the body wash, all the lotions, like all the um, face lotions, face wash. You know what you should have done? I know you brought me so many of these pair of thieves, which I love. But my kids, I always use Anna's products on my kids. You could have brought me a box of that. I, I will. Okay. When Jessica does this. Oh, yes. Good. You're going to get your wife to do yes, this? That's what, that's, she'll okay. bring you the honest stuff. Okay. Well, and listen. And beauty. And I, yes, I'd love yes. to try it. Yes. What was the foundation? No, was it the, foundation? That, that I, yeah, that's something. All right. So you, you promised me I'm <laughs> going to get Jessica on next. And also, I'd yes. love to have that Lee, Bill, um, Brian, Brian Lee. Yeah, Brian. amazing. He's kind of like quiet though, so you gotta like. That's okay. You gotta, no, I'm I'll saying like you gotta these. like find I know, him. Like, I gotta. I'll, I'll find yeah, that. I'll yeah. find that spot that yeah. like gets him going. Uh-huh. All right. So exercise, food. Are you, so you're not doing any crazy dieting like the intermittent, the ketos, the Atkins, the Mediterranean. You're just eating no, like a. I problem. eat healthy. I I just eat. I'll eat like a salad at lunch, mm-hmm. um, and um, and then you know, salad and a steak or protein and and a salad for dinner. Right. I just, and that's the way I was able, like I've always been able to like keep like relatively like the same figure right. underneath the clothes is because you look great. You're like just eating like portion control and just it's eating all healthy eating. and just not. Yeah, exactly. 80% of it's eating. Yes. The exercise is, you know, 20% mm-hmm. if that, maybe even less. So that's basically all, all the habits. Do you want to meditate? Do you? Uh, no. Okay. Um, what's your favorite Reading? sport? I sometimes count my breaths to calm myself down. Like, okay. you know, so you do um, breath work. Yeah. Uh, golf is my favorite sport now because okay. I'm old. Uh, You're not old. Are you 40? Up, I love soccer and basketball. Okay. Um, and then um, reading uh, to my kids at night mm-hmm. is another, uh, I guess, thing that we do regularly. Um, yeah, that's. I don't really. My life's like about breaking patterns. I try, but yeah. like so, so it's like, not you're not very ritualistic. Not yeah, too ritualistic. because you want it. Because you said earlier, it's all, once you get too like in the too comfortable, that's when you want to shake things up. I do. Yeah, at least, you know, I like to. Uh, that makes sense. And what's the last mm-hmm. like kind of nonfiction book that you read? What are some of your habits? So teach me. Like, oh wow! How, how okay, can I... you know this is a podcast about you, but I... I'm more than happy to. I have the same breakfast every day. Okay. And um, every single day. Every single day. 
For how many? Like... For 20. I'm like Steve Jobs. Okay. Because I like to like have as many things on auto like on autopilot as possible. Okay. So like if I need to think about what I'm eating all the time, it like takes up too much brain power mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what am I going to have today? Because I love food. Mm. I'm like a person that like actually likes to eat. I'm yeah. not someone that's like, oh yeah, I forgot to eat. I've never forgot in my whole life <laughs> to eat a meal. Okay? okay. Not happening. I've never forgot. Oh yeah, I didn't have lunch today. Because I'm thinking at like seven in the morning what I'm going to have for, for lunch. Yeah. So if I don't think about breakfast, I just know what I'm having. Okay. Which is what? Which is eggs okay. with cheese and I have peppermint tea and I have cold brew coffee. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then, oh, and a grapefruit. Okay. And a grapefruit. And then, um, and then my other one is I exercise. I think that's a major one for like cognitive function. I don't do it for physical. Like mm. at this point, I don't care. Like I'm not trying to get like a 10 pack, but I am trying to like make sure that I'm as like clear and focused and as alert as possible. And if I don't exercise, then it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Okay. Yeah. I so like that. I agree with that's that. That's one. So like once mm -hmm. you start doing your stuff again, you'll see like if you just kind of get past that hump of like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. And you like start like getting in the groove, you're really going to like it. Be fired. I think so. Yes, I agree. And you're working out, now that you started, how many times a week are you going to do it? Three. I started at okay. three because it's an amount that I can hit. You can hit, yeah. And I won't always feel bad that I missed it. Um, and so three days a week I'm doing, and then okay. I'll ramp up to five pretty quickly. Okay. But um, to start, I'm hitting three, and I want to find some success there. And then you're going to be a I'll superstar. You're going to be like you're going to be like probably like teaching a course pretty soon with that. <laughs> That's not your personality. Is you're like okay, I can get this. I'll get so and so to run it, and mm -hmm. I'll get someone to do that, <laughs> Fair. and it will be like perfect. Well, um, it was a delight having you. Thank I know you, you. want to. You got to wrap up. You have an appointment. You got to wrap. Go to. But um, this was really fun. You were a great guest, and we learned a lot of stuff. And for um, people who are listening, where can they pick? Well. Pair of Thieves, they can pick them up at Target. Pair of Thieves, you can find at Target and you can find on pairofthieves.com. And then our new elevated assortment is called Thieves Gold. And you can find that at Nordstrom or you can find that at thieves.gold. Perfect. And how do we find you? Uh, you can find <laughs> me on Instagram. Uh, that's the thing I'm most uh, active on, I should say. Um, Are you even active on it though? or I'm not too active, but I post. My, Once in a while. Yeah. But you're, that's not really, yeah. No. Okay. But, but, I, but I enjoy it. And I, you know, so uh, Instagram is at cash underscore Warren. That's where I got screwed. That yes. Underscore. Yeah. Underscore. Well, thank you. And I hope to see you again. And Same. I hope to, like, I, best of luck with the thank new you. line. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me here. I loved having and you. And I walked 1.76 oh, miles. Check how many calories. Press that white button. The white one. How many calories did you burn? 167. Good. With a, that's with a, 190, uh, but that's not much more. And so, like, you just burned another, you know, that you wouldn't have normally done. Like a glass of water. Like, yeah. Well, basically, that's like way more than a glass of that's water. More. But this is something like, unless if we just sat down, you wouldn't done anything. Right. All right. It's smart. I'm surprised that I'm not out of. I, you'll you hear all my heavy breathing though. You're not. Out of, you're not. You're, you're actually not even out of breath. You're and you're not even sweating. It's like at a very mild pace. Next time we're gonna do intervals. Okay. And we're that? gonna. You don't know what an interval. Oh, is? like running and then stop. Yeah.
<laughs> and we're going to do it on a dynamic mode. Okay. This is going to be, so I'm all about hit training, but we'll tell you that we'll, later. Okay. I'm yeah. excited. When is yeah. next time? We'll figure that okay, out. Okay. We'll figure that out. You're going to come right. on again for sure, but I'm, I'm Thank holding you. you to that. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.